Hey, thanks for checking out our show. If you like what you hear, we have tons of additional content at patreon.com slash the media lunch break. I went into the city for the first time in a while and I got some cart food. It was delicious. Oh, yeah. I was so happy. What kind of cart food did you get? I got uh, chicken and rice. Mm, That's a good one. That's a good one. Where'd you go? Uh, I don't know. It's a cart at 36. That's exactly how you should buy cart food. (laughs) When someone goes, oh, where'd you get it from? And you're like, I don't know. (laughs) I was walking down the street. There was a cart. I had eight bucks. Done and done. Yeah, it was a windowless van. <laughs> yep. It's just a guy. There's someone screaming after I ordered. I don't yeah. know what happened. The van had a spray painted picture of a wizard on it. Just <laughs> opened the panel door. Yeah, yeah. You, oh, you've, you've eaten there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, and he's great. like, you want the rest of this? And I was like, yes, I do. How much do I owe you? It's got a G health code rating yeah. on the side. G is for good. Yeah, that's right. That's what that means, right? Great. Yeah. Or Gandalf with the wizard on the side. That's why I only eat at B ratings, because B is for best. Yeah. That's, there yeah, you go. That's, that's yeah. right. It's also for brave. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, welcome to the Media Lunch Break, bringing you all of your comic, geek, and movie news, all in the time it takes to eat a good sandwich and top it off with some very questionable cart food. My name is Chris Trebel. Alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Andrew Dunn. Say hello, Andrew. Are you ready to show off some glorious purpose? Always. Always. Do you think? Yes. Hang on. Here's a real question. Do you think there's an alternate universe in the MCU... Okay, so we got Alligator Loki. Oh, by the way, we're talking about uh, Loki today. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's in the title of the episode, if you didn't know that going in. Do you think there's a universe... Yes. ...where Loki is a glorious porpoise? I'm kind of serious. I know, and that's... (laughs) It seems so easy. I think that's what really crushed my soul, (laughs) is that you're kind of serious with that. It does seem pretty easy. I won't give it that. I mean, how many different animals do you think Loki could possibly be? Like, what about in the Spider-Ham universe? See, I think in the Spider-Ham universe, that is the alligator Loki. He's a Loki-gator? He's a Loki-gator? It doesn't work, man. Glorious porpoise. Glorious porpoise. Yes. Or a Loki-pine. Oh, that's actually pretty good. That one's uh, that one. I'll give you that. It's actually pretty good. They're so easy. You're right. Uh, which is why I'm sure we're going to get so many more animal versions of Loki. <laughs> so, yeah. So we're talking about Loki today. Yeah. Because one, by now, you should have been able to watch all of them, people. I mean, for God's sakes, there's six of them. Yeah, it's old news. Yeah. Third season's out already. Absolutely. So w- let's just should we just say this up front? Spoilers for Loki. Oh, let's yeah, just for sure. Do that up front. So to get into this, first of all, Loki, if you haven't seen it, and even if you have, Loki, you know, takes place right after essentially Avengers Endgame, but essentially Avengers 1, you know, because he steals the Tesseract in the in Avengers Endgame during Avengers 1. Well, it's also very difficult to talk about this in terms of a timeline, right? because there isn't a timeline in the place that Loki exists. Yes, but the jumping off point for this at the beginning of the series the loki that we are dealing with is the one from the first avengers movie after he steals the tesseract from the last avengers and then immediately is picked up by the twa nope tw nope tsa nope yeah the tsa (laughs) so the no fly list (laughs) they find him in the desert and he's like what you got in that bag 
Can't bring that water in here. Nope. Get that shit out of here. No, what is it? It's the T. It's the Time Variance Authority. TVA. My God. Yeah. Did you even watch this show? No, I was drunk most of the time. Wow. Oh, oh, buckle in. If you think that's not going to come up several times. (laughs) Uh, Somehow, some way, I think we should just work in a scale system for something about Loki. And it's in a scale of one to wow. (laughs) Scale of wow to wow. Oh, yeah. I like that. Speaking of wow. Yeah. First note I have. Chekhov's jet ski. Right. Yeah, that I'm very disappointed in the fact that this never actually pays off. It certainly will. Yeah, but it must. It has to. But I'm just sad that it didn't pay off in this in this season. Yeah, me too. It doesn't. It kind of. I'm not sure what was going on there. That seemed like a w- obvious one. Yeah. And they just left it just dangling like that was more. It started off like a wow. And then it ended at like a wow. I wonder if he's going to. Since Mobius doesn't remember him, if he's going to be like, no, you love jet skis and I, I, th- I can prove that I know you because you told me about these jet skis and how you've always wanted one and blah, 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 blah. Right. He just brings a jet ski to him. He just, he <laughs> he just, just manifests drags. one with magic. In my mind, he's just dragging it like just he's just in his own. Wilson is just in his office. And the door opens and Loki is just literally dragging a jet ski through and it gets stuck on the door frame. It's too big to get it. And he's like, hang, hold on one second. This is going to be when when I get this in here, this is going to make all all the sense of the oh, world. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea that they immediately just stop what they're doing. They go find a body of water and do like the Titanic thing where he's like, I right. feel like I'm flying. Wow. Oh, wow. This is already <laughs> getting old, isn't it? Yeah. It's all really already just grating on me and oh, I'm the one God. doing it. So it's got to be even worse for the listener, which means that we're going to do it 20 more times. Is it weird that he kissed himself? Not for that character. No, it was weird for me. I felt weird. It felt weird. I like kind of cringed. You felt weird because you liked it and you didn't like that. You like it. And that's what's called a fetish. <laughs> I'm not wrong. I don't know, though. I'm not I wrong. really was like this whole time. I've been like, there's look, it makes. First of all, I have a quote from Tom Hiddleston that'll sort of tie into this. I didn't expect it to. But someone a month before the first episode came out asked him if Tom Hiddleston thinks that Loki will ever have a love interest or if we're going to explore that in this show. And he said, quote, they say the first stable relationship you have to have is with yourself. That's a fair point. Which is a bit like Paul Bettany saying that he is finally acting with an actor he's always wanted to act with. This is true. This is really true. I don't know. It felt weird. The whole thing, every time it got like close, I was just like, is this masturbation? I mean, you know my policy on masturbation, so it's no surprise that I had no problem with this. Yeah. But hold on. Before we get there, let's go back for just a minute. All right. Before we do like a deep dive into this. Did you like this series? Yes. I did too. All right. Now let's get back to the beating off. Excellent. All right. Good. Now that we've gotten the basics out of the way. Fantastic. I'm glad that yeah, we're it was good. I, yeah. There was one episode that I think everyone will agree was kind of pointless. There's an there's an episode in this you can just skip. The one where they're running around on whatever planet that is. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The train episode, I'll call it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because they're on a train for a good portion of it. Yeah, I feel like they were trying to show, not tell, that these characters are developing a a closeness to each other, that there are things they have in common and that they're opening up to each other. But I would have preferred it if we saw that happen while the plot moved forward. 
Like if they had something real to work on and we were seeing them work, start to work together and trust each other a little more as this was happening. Yeah, there, it definitely was. If you're very much a plot person, that one is totally skippable. It's one of those things where like if you're a character person, like if you, you know, the benefit of this being a television show as opposed to a movie is that you can kind of live in that space and allow a, 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 an episode like that to happen because television is a little more about character than it is about plot. But I agree with you. If you I, I didn't mind it, I think because I am more of a character person, like I, I like to live in that. I like television a lot because of the idea of like just living with characters and just watching them grow and evolve a little more slowly and a little more in real time. But if you're just like, I want to answer all the fucking mysteries already. What like or introduce some or I don't know, do something with it instead of just like, well, like I remember even character work. I remember working with a professor in college who we were discussing Tennessee Williams, the glass menagerie. And the professor asked, what is Tom Wingfield, the main character? What is his motivation? What is his goal? What is his like? What's the thing he's working towards? Every character has a goal. And I remember I was like to not be hassled. Like, that's the thing he really wants. Right. And my professor was like, well, but you generally want like a thing that you can point to and not something to point away from. And it's like, well, what do they want? They want to. Get away from here. Yeah, he's walking towards something, not walking away from something. Right, yeah. And they they were just like, well, let's go to space. Uh, we we got to get on this train, and then we got to go. And I don't know. It just felt like it wasn't like we're investigating this mystery. So we went, like, all the other episodes are like, we went to this planet, we went to this time, and then we found this clue, and that led us to this other place, which led us to here. And this whole episode is just like, we got drunk on a train. Well, yeah, I, be, I think because the conflict in that in that one episode is it's kind of a bottle episode in that it, it starts in that episode and it ends in that episode. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't elevate or escalate the overarching plot. You, you know, they, at the end of, I think, cause that's what episode three, I think. So at the end of episode two, they like dive through the portal into that place. And then episode three picks up right when they come through the portal and it ends with like the spaceship blowing up and you're like, Oh no, how is this going to get resolved? Like, how are they going to get off this planet? They say like, this is now causing a timeline, a branch that's going to doom everything. And then three minutes into episode four, a portal opens up and they walk out and the rest of it is, and we pick up from there. And it's like that episode, that plot line, it served a purpose as far as bringing these two characters together. But the, the conflict itself didn't escalate the rest of the conflicts that were going on. It was just, it was kind of internal to itself. So I understand what you're saying. Like I said, I didn't mind that episode, but I definitely agree with you that if you're trying to get through this and you're just, again, if you're someone who's like, I'm watching this because I want to know all the, the storylines that are going on in the MCU. And I feel like I need to know about this in order to make sense of like, the movies that are coming out or anything like that, you can, and you're trying to save time, you can save yourself an hour and skip over that one. You can watch the previous on on the next episode and be good. Yeah. It's still fine, that episode. Yeah. But yeah, I, for me, it's still a markdown, but overall, the show is very good. Right. I feel like we finally, you know, with WandaVision, we were like, who's doing it? What's the twist? And it was like, is it Agatha? It might be. But that seems too easy. And then I was like, oh, it was, it was Agatha. OK. Yeah. And then we were like, OK, well, what's this one going to be? And everyone had a bunch of speculation. It turned out one of them was right. 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 Which was cool. Yeah. I, I think we're getting as a fan base. We're either getting better at. 
just going, well, we don't know what the twist is, so we're going to name all the things the twist could be. Like, expanding our idea of, like, it could be this person or this person or this person and not ruling anyone out. And then when we're right, we're like, see, we were we were kind of right about that. And being happy with that because we were right. Or just going, well, we don't know what the twist is going to be and maybe we should just learn. We've Maybe we're starting to learn our lesson of we're not going to know what the twist is. Let's just let them tell the story and, you know, actually enjoy ourselves. I think those are the two camps that are now forming, which is good. That's what the camp should be. There are also a lot of parallels to other films, which I enjoyed. You can very clearly see influences of the Planet of the Apes, Mm -hmm. like the Kang statue that appears at the very end, very Mm -hmm. similar to the Statue of Liberty. The Wizard of Oz, the man behind the curtain, Mm -hmm. Indiana Jones, the no ticket sort of that sort of feeling oh, that's to that. right yeah, yeah. they especially at the very beginning where they're like the one guy's like i don't have a ticket and they prune him and then they're like hey do you have a ticket and loki's like yes <laughs> you know and it's like no ticket blade runner replicants hunting replicants right jurassic park even with miss minutes and mr dna yes so there's some cool stuff there i'd love to get into um some of the stuff I have here, uh, would you like to hear a little bit about uh, the character of Sylvie and her influences? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So we read um, Vote Loki a little while ago. Loki has the ability to change gender sort of at will. But this one in particular, Sylvie refers to the only Sylvie in the Marvel Comics universe is a character by the name of the Enchantress. And she's the second Enchantress. So there are two Enchantresses. There's like the old school classic when like, you know. Characters would say 400 words in one panel while they're while Thor's throwing his hammer or whatever from like the 70s and 80s. Right. That Enchantress is a Thor villain. She's sort of like the Catwoman, Felicia Hardy kind of character. Right. Who's like she's just kind of off doing her own thing, and but every now and then she kind of puts a craw in the main character's craw. What is that? Puts a thorn in the main character's craw or whatever. Nope. That's yeah. You heard me. Yep. But she is traditionally a Thor villain. And a bit of a dickhead. She's an Asgardian. (laughs) Just being an Asgardian automatically makes you a bit of a dickhead. That's right. So years later, when the young Avengers are forming, this character shows up calling herself the Enchantress, but she's much younger, and her name is Sylvie Lushton. And she is very similar to the Sylvie that we see in Loki. It turns out that she was given her powers by Loki in an attempt to bring down the young Avengers from the inside. She doesn't realize it, but it comes out that like that's the reason she has these magical powers. So that's who this character is based on. I also have a whole section on Christianity Easter eggs. Oh, boy. Which is kind of redundant. (laughs) (laughs) I was... That was actually pretty good. I like that one. (laughs) Thank you. The first time we see Kang, do you remember they ask that little girl near the beginning, who did this? And she points to this like stained glass window of a devil. Yes. The first time we see Kang, he is sitting in the exact same position as this stained glass window, which is pretty interesting, holding an apple, Yep. which also has ties to, say, Adam and Eve, yeah, who yeah, were the yeah. start of time. I see what you're saying. So there's a lot of stuff in this. We've also got uh, King gives Loki and Sylvie the option to start a new world. He first tempts Sylvie. And then tries to get Loki to go along with her. By killing Kang, Sylvie has committed the original sin. Loki even wields a literal fire sword, like the angel who protected the Garden of Eden. Huh. 
Gabriel. When they're fighting the smoke dog? No, it's not Gabriel. I don't. I'm not a Christian. I just read this online. I think it's Michael. That was a great movie. It was a great movie. That's the one where he takes his face off and switches it with Nicolas Cage, right? Yep. That's the one. Okay, great. Would you like to hear a little bit about Kang? Yes, I would. Kang the Conqueror. So who we saw was not the Kang. Right. He was a variant of Kang. He has similarities to a couple of different characters in the comics. One is Immortus, who is the oldest living Kang. He is the future version of Pharaoh Ramatut, Kang the Conqueror, and Iron Lad. Essentially, Immortus, like, he's causing all sorts of problems with time, and so are the Avengers. The Avengers are starting to figure out time as well in the comics. Yeah, those bunch of D-bags. I know, and the timekeepers are real in the comics. They're like an actual group of three people. And so they go to Immortus, and they're like, hey— if we make you immortal and give you like your own place outside of time, can you just make sure the Avengers don't fuck this up for us? And he's like, yeah, sure. So he's this guy. He's even wearing the same outfit that uh, Jonathan Majors in the show right. wears. Right. The same colors. They both have like a circular gold medallion. And there's also a character in the comics called He Who Remains. who's only been seen a couple of times, but he is the last director of the TVA. He's this like super old dude. He actually, at the end of time, realizes that what he has to do is create the timekeepers and then send them back to the beginning of time. So in a similar way, he who remains in the Loki series created the timekeepers and sent them to the beginning of time. Kang is an interesting character. He's Nathaniel Richards from the 31st century. He is the descendant of Reed Richards, who we may come to see soon. Mm. He is, uh, that's a Fox property, right? Or is that universal? It's Fox. Yes, it is. It's Fox. Hulk is universal. Yes. He's Mr. Fantastic from the Fantastic Four. There you go. And uh, it's also possibly Dr. Doom? Is he also possibly a descendant of Dr. Doom? Yes, a little bit of Dr. Doom as well. That one is very loose, though, very shallow. Literally, the only thing about that is that when Kang goes back in time... So, Dr. Doom created time travel. This is the type of conversation that, at the end of it, we all get a nosebleed, right? (laughs) And not just because we're talking about time travel, but because you're listening to a nerd ramble on about a bunch of bullshit that was written for children in the 70s. Yeah, it's just really like, this is the type of series that I was like, this is why I didn't take notes, because I was like, I don't know, it's fucking... All the, like, t- just time branches. And, and it's Marvel stuff. I'm the Marvel guy, so I'll do it. I was like, I'll sit back and relax and let Andrew just nerd out on this one, and I'll just, yeah. <laughs> every once in a while, I'll chime in just to break up Andrew's voice. So Dr. Doom created time travel. Kang finds that device. Right. He's a smart guy already, but he is able to figure it out and go back in time to meet the person who created it. Okay. And Doc, this is literally why we think they're related. Dr. Doom says, hmm, this guy looks like he may be a descendant of mine. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. Which seems like a weird thing to write if it's not true, but it's also just very random and strange. Okay. All right. That's all. Can we also talk about, since we're talking about Kang and we're talking about, uh, what's his, what's his face here? Jonathan. Um, Jonathan Majors. Majors. I almost said Winters and I was like, that's I always not want to say right Masters. Because he's a fucking master right here. This guy. Yeah. How good was, uh, how good was this guy? He's good. I actually am not. Very partial to this character. Okay. I think he's fine. But knowing that he is going to be playing Kang in future movies, if we saw this version of this guy through the entirety of the next four phases, the same way that we saw Thanos, I'd get real sick of him real fast. So I think we're going to see a different Kang. Right. I have a quote from him actually sort of about that. Most of what Majors did on set was improvised. It was the last week of shooting and he came in and just did a bunch of stuff and the camera people were just told to follow him as best as possible. He like sat on the desk that wasn't rehearsed ever. The Apple wasn't. 
he had a quote. He said in an interview, I'm a classically trained clown. So he was like, it's kind of what I do, you know? Yeah. And you can kind of tell, like I was watching it. I was watching that final episode and the parts when he's getting up on the desk and things like that. I was like, I don't think they block that. Yeah. I think I don't know why something about it just seemed so fluid and so organic that I was like, he's doing all of this on his own. And just they casted him because he does this. You know what I mean? Like this yeah. was very much as soon as he came on screen, I was like, I know why they cast this guy. They cast him because you put a camera on him and you just let him go. He's that type of a, and that's the type of instability that you want in a character who is stuck by himself in a giant castle at the end of time for eons and eons, whose mind is clearly fractured. Right. Because he's a controlling everything, but also just stuck at the end of time by himself forever. And he's lived for like millions and millions of years. I hope that that's the reasoning. I trust Marvel that like they're going to be like, oh, well, this version's just a little crazy because he's been stuck inside for so long. You know, like we all have. And uh, and then they're going to have a different one that's like much more in control and command, a big, bad kind of guy. Well, I think the other th- the other reason that you have him go big with this character is because he's going to go so differently with the other Kangs. Right. And so it creates this huge dynamic between all the different ones. So at no point do we see the one in Ant-Man and go, is that the that? But I thought he was killed in in Loki. Also, when he shows up in Ant-Man, if you haven't watched Loki, you're not like, what the fuck is with this guy? You know what I mean? Like, it's just a different Yeah, character. I think this is the best. Actually, I think Loki has done the best job. The show, Loki, not the character, has done the best job of the three shows we've gotten so far of, because I've told you that, like, everything kind of has to go back to the way it was before in these shows because they're not going to risk people not seeing them and then going to see the movies. I think this one has balanced that the best. Yeah. Whereas the other ones kind of felt like nothing happened. Like, to me, it's like, okay, the Falcon and Winter Soldier, basically all that happens that affects the MCU is he got his suit. In WandaVision, all that happens is she's living in a hut now. Like, that's the end result. And there's, like, a white vision somewhere. Maybe. Right. Yeah. And this is what I mean. All this stuff that has changed over the course of those two series, you can explain away with some sort of dialogue. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I think you kind of can here, too, but it does it without feeling like nothing has happened. Exactly. But that's what I'm saying is that this you could go as in any of the movies. Now, you can go as subtle or as big with those changes as you want. There could be the timeline in the MCU looks exactly the same. Just Little subtle things in the background you notice. You know what I mean? Buildings look a little different or this or that. Or you go, you could go very big with it if you wanted to. That You have those options. Fun fact about uh, Jonathan Majors as well. He voiced the, the timekeepers. Time yeah, I had yeah. that too. Yeah, so which I love, especially going again to that Wizard of Oz parallel yeah. of the man behind the curtain. He voiced the timekeepers. And it also speaks to how good he is vocally that I, yeah, I've heard three different characters, four different characters he played, and it never occurred to me they were all the same person. I think that's great. And it, cre- it does create kind of, again, when you go back and rewatch you're gonna go oh there's a there's a line a through line you know throughout this which is what a through line is chris <laughs> jesus but yeah so that i think that helps on a rewatch as well when you go back yeah. and you go oh this creates some oh i see how they i'd got love there. to give this a second viewing yeah i kind of do too more than the others i think this one i almost in in preparation to talk about this, almost was tempted to give this a second view just to, cause it is, you're dealing with 
concepts of time travel and variant timelines and things branching off. And But if they branch off too much and hit this red line, then it means that they can't go back. And why does that mean? And things like that. But now once you get to the end and you realize why all these things are the way that they are and why the rules are the way that they are, now you could go back and go, oh, I see why this is suspenseful. I see why this is a problem. And you kind of go into it knowing you almost go into it from the TVA side then and go, I see why the TVA is doing things the way that they're doing because it can't, you know, I believe that the branches, when the branches off, it can't get past the red line because that red line would mean it could reach another. I think the red line is another timeline, isn't it? Isn't that what they're saying? It, uh, the timelines are stacked one on top of the other. And so that branch up is going to hit another timeline. I think what he was implying is that that's how much time it takes before another Kang comes into being. Right. But that's what I mean. Another Kang. So uh, uh, the way I was interpreting it, and maybe this is just after the fact and being able to think about this way too long, <laughs> is that so you have the, the universal timeline, right? I'll try and do this audibly for the listener and visually for you. But you have the universal timeline. And then he talks about how other timelines were stacked on top of each other. And if you look at the monitor, the red lines are on top and bottom. So I figured that a branch essentially branches off and intersects with the other universal timeline on top and creates basically a tunnel. Oh, I see. So there are other timelines. We just need the branches to connect connect them. them. A Kang can't leap from one universal. Again, this is what I'm interpreting this as, and I could be totally wrong on this. But one Kang can't leap to another universal timeline without some sort of time variant to connect it. I see. That they're all separated. Unless that branch connects the two. And then it creates essentially like a tunnel, a, a through way for another Kang to come through. I was under the impression that at the beginning of time, there were many branches that all go forward. And then once you go forward enough, they're all just stacked on top of each other. I see what you're saying. But it could be either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he does say like, like that's what his job has been is to make sure that other Kangs can't come into this timeline. That's why it's called pruning the branches. Right. And so once he's killed, he's like, I'll see you soon because... By the way, some people were, I think, interpreting this wrong that Kang is reincarnated. And that because and that's what he says with that line, which is not what I think what that, he is. I don't think that's what that means. He says, I'll see you soon because he knows once he's killed, that's causing some sort of variant that's going to cause another Kang to come through. So he's he himself is not going to see you soon. You are going to see Kang soon. All right. I'm going to Google this because he also that's sa- what I interpreted that as he meaning. says he'll be reincarnated. Right. But what he's saying is it's his, it, he's not saying it reincarnation in the traditional sense. He's saying he's going to be reincarnated because he knows another Kang always comes about. Here's why I think that's incorrect. OK, we saw the remember the time that was like very the timeline that was like bright. And then we saw the branches come off at the end. Yes. You know, it's like a big white line. Right, right, right. Near, it's around him. And it's going in a circle. Oh, you mean outside the castle? Yes, I know what you're saying. Okay. So I think that is what he means. That like, I think that's why he was saying that he could give those two whatever they wanted. Because he was like, when time starts back over again, I can set it to do whatever I want. Right. Like, I'm going to die at the end of time. Right. And then time's going to start over again. Right. But even that is not actual reincarnation. Like, his soul is not going to another body. But that's what I don't know that that's what people meant. It's on a... Some people actually were say uh, articles I were reading online are implying like his soul goes to another Kang body. Is and a Buddhist. Yeah. And I'm like, no, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that yeah. he will come. It's kind of like 
the uh, you know in the DC universe they have the the reverse Flash right who is a time traveler from the future but the thing with the reverse Flash is that every time he encounters the Flash the Flash doesn't know what reverse Flash he's facing because right. he doesn't know if this reverse Flash is from what point in he, in that timeline he's coming from he, this might be the first time the reverse Flash has ever faced the Flash even the Flash is encountered him a number of times and the same thing with kang kang is is not saying like oh my soul you'll kill me and my soul will go to another body and then i'll show up again he's saying like this is a time loop this is a groundhog's day situation i will show up again i will have no idea that this any of this happened i have to learn this all new again but you'll see me again but that's very interesting too i wonder if he does know if he will know that it all happened but he has no ability to do anything different that's a possibility as well than what he's done before he's just on a cycle yeah 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 but again that's i mean my interpretation when he said i'll see you soon he was like that you just unleash another kang you'll see me soon it's like the time loop with loki and sif yeah where like He's trying to do different things, right? But she is fresh and new every single time, and uh, but the end result is always still the same, right? And it just keeps cycling over and over again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you want to get into some theories about the ending? Let's get into theories. Let's do it. This is a theory. Ravona is taking the script that Kang has to a young Kang because if you remember, uh, Miss Minutes gives her like a thing, and she's like, "Oh, this is what I asked for," and she's like, "No, but he thinks this will be more helpful to you." Right. Remember that there is a script for all time that he, Kang knows what every single person is going to say all the time, which is how Loki like they printed off the thing for him at the beginning, right, and. How how Kang had his script at the end. Right. So does she give like a database of everything that's going to happen and gives it to someone outside of this timeline, another Kang mm. who can then create some sort of craziness, something that will break this chain. Mm. Either that or it's what we were just talking about. She brings it to this Kang, but at the beginning, which causes him to, you know, start the time loop, <laughs> start the time loop that she is in fact, the start of the time loop as well. Do you think that Mobius doesn't remember Loki at the end because he's been transported to a different branch off the timeline or that Kang has remade the original timeline from the beginning? I think he's remade the original timeline from the beginning. So it's the same universe, but same Mobius universe, just doesn't but remember different, him. It hasn't but I happened think it's yet. a different it's a different Kang. Right. And this is what I'm saying. This this is like to my but, theory. But my of, question is, so you're saying that it's the same universe, different Kang. Yes. And just the events that have happened with Loki and Mobius haven't happened yet. Correct. Yeah. 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 Well, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. OK. <laughs> I really have to think about this. Is a problem with talking about this series. Is I that know. I really liked it. But to talk about it out loud, <laughs> I need like three PhDs to make any fucking sense of this. I know. As soon as we saw Endgame, I was like, oh, this is going to make everything so complicated in the future. This is my one fear for the MCU is that they're doing a whole bunch of multiverse stuff, which I love multiverse stuff. I think it's it's great and everything. But you I, this better end by the end of this phase. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Or the end of uh, this cycle, I should say. Yeah. Like whatever the big bad, if Kang is the big bad, if Kang is the Thanos of this, this better build up to a bunch of multiverses and then it condenses back down to one MCU. Or if you want to do multiverses, condense it down to like regular MCU and ultimate verse for the next phase, which I think actually is another theory that I have is that's what they're building towards. 
is we're going to branch this out to a bazillion things and then condense it down. And at the end, we'll have MCU and the ultimate MCU like they did in the comics, which at this point in the movies would actually make a lot of sense for them to do, because now 11 years in, there's so many movies that you are also getting viewers who some have grown up with these movies. Some are now too young to have gone back to the older movies. Like I'll talk to young kids who like homecoming and whatever, but they've never seen the first Avengers because it came out when they were born at this point. It also makes it so that if you're having a hard time keeping up, you can just watch half the you films. You can watch half the films and then if they start the ultimate verse, then you have a whole you have your own MCU. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, if they're exactly. releasing the ultimate and the original recipe, right. then you can just if you're like there's 30 movies coming out this year. I don't have time for this. I'll just watch the ultimate one or I'll just I'll just stick with the original MCU. Yeah, which is what they, they did for the comics. The reason they created the ultimate verse is that they wanted younger readers to be able to come in and just go. There's 60 years of history that they've never rebooted. Yeah, I can't possibly join. And they go, well, we'll start a new one for you. We'll start it all over just for you, which I think is what they're going to build towards. So I asked some people on Twitter what they thought of Loki. And here's uh, some things that we we got from people. This is sort of like the the word on the street about what people thought. First one is from Antifa Llama Girl, who said, Miss Minutes owes me new pants. It's very startling I, I don't, in that last uh, episode. I don't know what that means, and frankly, I don't want to. I think it's about, the in the last episode, when they first go into the Citadel, she pops up, and it's startling. It's very scary. Oh, yeah, okay. And Antifa Llama Girl shit her pants? <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Ryan said, I really loved it. Sebastian said he was enamored with the cinematography and set design. Chris, not you, said. Well, then what the fuck do I care? No, sorry. Go ahead. Best series so far. Sean said, kind of trash. Oh. Uh, Carlia said, I enjoyed the Doctor Who feeling. Mm, I'll go with that. Yeah. Bronwyn said, I basically desire one thing. Baby Lokis, and I will wait as long as I have to for them. I just am like, I've got bad news about Loki's baby that he has in the comics. If they're staying true to the comics, it's not going to be what you think it is. Um, I think this more than the animal verse, right? Then uh, great, great porpoise. <laughs> I want a, a spinoff cartoon of this series that is just baby Lokis. Just like Muppet Babies, but Lokis is basically what I want. I've got bad news for you. Yeah. There are going to be horses. <laughs> they are animals. No, did you know that? Yes, I did know that. But I, <laughs> okay. I say just make baby Lokis. One of them can be a, a little horse. That's fine. For anyone listening, in the comics, they, they took the mythological aspect of Loki directly from the mythos. And he, oh God, let me see if I can remember this. He transforms into a horse. Yes. A female horse. Sure. And another horse, he runs off into a woods, and when he returns, he is still a horse, but he is pregnant, and then he gives birth to another horse, and then turns back to regular Loki, so he has a child that is a horse. Isn't the horse like six-legged or something, too? Eight. Eight Yeah, it has eight legs. Okay. Hi. Yeah, that's, uh, let's see, Kenny said, I enjoyed it as a whole, but I feel like the story got weaker as it went along. They may have just decided to do more setup for the second season, but I just wasn't invested in the season finale like with WandaVision. No, I I actually, uh, first of all, I actually like that the finale of this season was not a bunch of people firing lasers and lights at each other. That it was actually, there were times when, because Jonathan Majors has like a 20 page monologue, which is pretty much the entire script of the, of the episode. That there were some parts where I was like, this guy talks a lot. But that being said, 
I was on the edge of my seat with him the whole time because I was like, this guy's talking a lot and it's built into something. My only critique, I think, is that I think it would have benefited from a longer cooldown. Mm-hmm. Like if they could have shortened the last episode down by five or ten minutes and given us five or ten minutes more of what is this new world or a post credit scene or something like that. Right. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. I can understand that. But I like that this didn't end in just like lasers and light yeah, shows and smoke and whatever. Yeah, the last two shows ended in just like a big old fight out. Yeah, 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 yeah. B- a bunch of bright lights and explosions and things like that. Just yeah. a big fucking bar brawl. And that actually could would have made sense at the end of this one. <laughs> it actually would have been great. Yeah. I would have loved that. All right. Yeah, that, I like I said, overall, it's a, it is, again, a little hard to talk about this one because it's quantum physics and time travel and all sorts of weird theoretical stuff. So. It is also interesting that it may not be anymore the way that Hulk described time. Right. Like it looks like now you can either jump to different dimensions or you can go back to Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so to see the yeah. the bigger ramifications is going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah. By the way, just just to kind of as we get off of this Loki is officially the first one of the the series to be announced for season 2. That was kind of the post-credit scene. Yep. I mean, we all knew it was coming. And we all know they're coming for all the other ones, at least I think, at least for Falcon and Winter Soldier. I don't know what they would do with WandaVision, but this one officially got the first one out the gate to get the official season two announcement. However, Kate Heron, who was the director and the EP, not coming back for season two. Oh, yeah. So I don't know what that's going to mean. Did they say why? Uh, I always plan for this is a quote from her. Sorry. I always plan to be just on for this. And to be honest, season two wasn't in the that's something that just came out. And so I'm excited. I'm really happy to watch it as a fan next season. But I just think I'm proud of what we did here. And I've given it my all. I'm working on some other stuff yet to be announced. So I think what she's saying is basically that like, other stuff is crying into a pint of ice cream in the shower. Cause you got fired by Marvel. I don't think she got fired because no, I think I, this I, got, I, I agree. I think it might be like a watchman, like a Damon Lindelof thing where they, it was a big hit and they're like, let's do season two. And she's like, I don't have season two. I told my story. I don't, yeah. I don't have that for you. Or they went for season two. What we want to do is this. And she's like, I don't want to do that. That's not what I want to do. They were like, for season two, what we want is Taika Waititi. Yeah. What we want is more alligator. Can we just base it just around the alligator? Hey, uh, Richard E. Grant said he really wanted a spinoff show of the two of them. I would watch a Richard E. Grant spinoff. I would watch... I forget what those are called. What, what were the short Marvel things that the, the MCU... One shots. Yeah, I'd, I'd yeah, watch I a, a one shot. shot. I yeah. would do a one, You're right. I would do a one shot. I don't know if I can make it with six episodes. I would do a one <laughs> shot just to see him before he was in the void. I want to see that Marvel world. Because sure. that is clearly like the 60s, 70s, yeah. very bad writing, you know, 900 mon- word monologue in one right, panel. yeah. I think that'd be really interesting in one shot just to see a, a, a random adventure of that. All right. You ready to move on to the reading assignment? Let's do the reading assignment, yeah. sir. Yeah. You gave me a five-volume series. The fifth volume comes out today. I haven't read it yet, so full disclosure, I've only read the first four. But it takes characters that are... What's the word I want to use? I I should have written this part down, but I didn't think to. I usually do, but it, it takes characters that are... That are not in the speak from the heart. That are speak not in right the here. forefront. They're not your Supermans. They're not your Batmans. They are lesser popular characters. And the deeper down the bench. Yeah, mostly from decades ago, seventies, eighties, nineties. Right. And puts them at the forefront. And also says, um, "Well, I'll let uh, the writer 
John Ridley, explain it a little bit. He said, quote, it's really exciting to know that you can take almost any character in the DC universe and individuals who unfortunately sometimes, in my opinion, over history felt like maybe they were sidelined or they weren't really there and saying, no, they were there. They were part of history and, in fact, helped create that history and that mythology that so many people enjoy today. So this takes characters like Katana and says, like, what were they doing in the 80s when there was a huge, like, amount of uh, racial injustice towards Asian people? What was Black Lightning doing in the 70s and stuff like that and sort of looks at the way that society was treating them and their responses to society? So this does do what John Ridley shoots for. But in my opinion, that's all it does. It says, hey, this character was still around, uh, but no one was writing them. Over the course of 48 pages per volume, there's no real narrative. There's no dialogue. For me, there's no real sense of arc. There isn't even, it, I don't feel any like individual individuality to these characters because they all sound exactly the same as well. They use a lot of the same words. The word saw is used to describe like an old adage, like multiple times over the course of many books, stuff like that, where like words that I had either never heard uh, or used a certain way or, or that I've rarely heard used a certain way are used in the exact same way throughout this piece. So it does feel a lot like one voice, one narrative. I... Didn't really like it. Oh, man, really? Yeah. I really thought this was going to be up your alley, actually. I'm I'm, I'm disappointed by that. It's well written. Okay. It's important. Yeah. But it's not interesting. Uh, I could. Okay. I can. I can see that. This is my last thing I'll say about the, the how I feel about it. I feel the same way about this that I feel about Hamilton. I think it's important. I like that people seem to really like it. Mm -hmm. I think we should make more things like it, but it's just not for me. Okay. Like Hamilton always reminded me of the day that your elementary school would bring in actors from the local community theater to dress up in like colonial outfits and teach you about the American Revolution. Like, hey, Coolios, my name's Alexander and I'm here to say I'll write a constitution and I'll write it today. This feels a bit like that where it's like. You think you know, right? Well, let me tell you the thing. And I'm, I just, I, I, every page I would turn and be like, oh my God, there's fucking five. It felt like a chore to get through because every page, it's one voice. There's no one bouncing anything back to the character that it's told from the perspective of. Yeah, it's written very much in prose. You know what I think I would love this as? What's that? A podcast. Oh, I could actually see that. Like the Wolverine Marvel sort of thing that they do. I would love this as just like hire five different actors. Right. And have them read this into a microphone. Right. Actually, that's not that's not a bad idea, to tell you the truth. Yeah. I Wow. I'm I'm actually a little surprised by this one. I mean, I'm I'm happy to hear you're not like. This is dog shit and it's bad. I'm happy to hear it. I'd rather I'd rather have like this is good and I appreciate it, but it's just not my taste. Right. But I, because I was really intrigued by this when I first started reading it. It is. I will. I will grant you. And I knew kind of going into it. This is it's very dry, you know, because it's so such long prose and things like yes. that. I think this was an interesting project to do and to release during the time that we're in right now with Black Lives Matter and more being made about the injustices that minorities have to go through. And then to give an honest look at, and again, I hate using this adage, but this one, it's a little different this time, but like, it's not quite if superheroes existed in the real world, it's just putting real world issues over top of this fantastical world that logically if they exist 
they would have to put up with these social issues. You know, the Black Lightning one is the one that really kind of, it's the first one and it's also the one that kind of sticks with me of the idea of like, the only reason they wanted me in the Justice League is they wanted a token black guy. And so I'm not going to be the token black guy for them. I'm not going to, you know, and things like that. But that's also a recurring theme. Like it's, it's one of the things that bugs me actually is that like Karen and Mal, which is the second one, have the exact same story. That's But instead of, so like Jefferson Pierce, Black Lightning is talking about how Jon Stewart was the first one. And then Karen and Mal Duncan are talking about, well, Black Lightning was before us, and we're not going to be your replacement Black Lightning. And I'm like, is this just going to repeat over and over? Is that what we're doing here? And they do sort of stray away from that a little bit. Like, I actually kind of liked the Katana one. I thought it was interesting, but it still felt, it's very slow. Yeah. It's basically a, a novella in that, like, it's, it, there's not any action. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need to see any of the artwork. The art, Some of the artwork is quite beautiful and telling, but there isn't anything that needs... This doesn't need artwork. This right. could have been collected in in a collection of short stories and sold by DC. And uh, even stuff like, but the, even stuff like Renee Montoya, you don't know who she is until almost the very end. If you're unfamiliar, because I wasn't familiar with that character. So like she, her name isn't even mentioned until like page 40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, who the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, this one it is definitely not one of those series that you could jump into if you're not at least tangentially familiar with the DCU or even more, you'd have to be a little more knowledgeable about the DCU. I think as the characters go on, like even the the second one, Hornblower and what's her face. Even I was like, Bumblebee. Yeah. Bumblebee. I was like, is this Bumblebee, right? Wasp is, is Marvel. Bumblebee's DC. Um, Even I was like, I don't know who these people are. I at least know enough about the DCU that, I can jump into it and just kind of pick up. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Like Renee Montoya, unless you know that she becomes the question, you know, down the line. And that's why you're in the story because you're like, I want to go back and now see or, or now read about from a first person perspective what it's like to be a gay woman and a, a, a Hispanic woman in Gotham, essentially. In yeah. the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I look, it's not. Even that, like, I had no idea. I'd never heard of the character Renee Montoya. Right. Parts of it were very interesting, but it it felt like 48 pages of mostly nothing happening. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it's literally, it felt like reading an encyclopedia about the characters. That's what, I mean, it's, it feels like you're reading a history book. Like it is the other history of the DC universe. And in that way, it feels like you are reading a memoir of someone who's like this is what it was like to be gay in gotham and it's like yeah that's that's interesting i guess what's what's the story what's happening here what's the plot it's just like and then i became this hero but people didn't like it so then i got this job but people didn't like me so then okay what's going on right there's no central plot line there's no yeah it's just a biography even the first one the jefferson pierce one is very like i taught high school but then I didn't like that a lot of high school students were getting messed up by thugs. So I started fighting thugs. And then the Justice League wanted me to join. And I said, no. And it's just, I just am like, what's happening? Yeah. No one says anything to end. There, there's no. The only story that has two characters, they never speak to each other. No one ever talks to another person. It feels like it feels like a docuseries where they're interviewing people. Which I think is I think is the point. But I think you're right. Maybe if they made it 
invested more in that idea. And so there is someone on the other side. There's a, a specific person. Or make it a docu-series. That's what I mean. Make it a specific person that they are talking no, to. No, I mean make it a docu-series. Oh, Hire actors saying. and put it put well, them in front of a camera. Like, like your idea of, this sort of thing. It of feels like I'm reading like would you there's a reason that docu-series get made and they're not just they don't just release the scripts. You know what I mean? Like you don't film you don't record people talking and then just release the script and call it a day. You have a docu-series yeah, yeah, yeah. about this I know thing, what you're saying. You know? Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, like I said, I... Listen, I gave it my best shot, Andrew. Yeah, well, your best wasn't fucking good enough. Oh, man. That As sto- always. Story of my life. Uh, <laughs> all right. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I did find... One thing I found interesting that I, I haven't seen mentioned anywhere is that so far have been in chronological order yes. and that the first one begins in 1972, the second one is in 1975 Katana's takes place in the 80s and Rene Montoya's begins in the 90s. Yes, that's why it's called the other history of the DCU, they are trying to kind of go through the timeline. Go in chronological order. And yeah. the last one is going to be about Jefferson Pierce's daughter Anissa. Oh, Anissa? that's right Yeah, 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 okay I forgot about that. Yeah. So maybe it'll tie us- it around maybe I'll change my mind after I read the whole thing but we'll see. Yeah, surprise you're going to read the whole thing I'm not I'll wait for the podcast to come out. There you go. All right. You got one for me? I do. I just realized I didn't talk at all about the writer or the artist, which I have here, but we don't have to. Okay, go for it. Do you want want to? Yeah. At least mention the writer, because the writer is kind of a big big name. That's one of the reasons I gave it to you. So John Ridley started his career writing for Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Martin, and the John Larroquette Show, which one of these things is not like the other. He's the second African-American to win an Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay for 12 Years a Slave, a movie I wanted to see but still have not seen. Yeah. I would really like to. It looked very good. The artist is Giuseppe <sighs> Common How do you Col- spell that? How do you spell that last name? Giuseppe <sighs> How do you spell that? C A M U N C O L I. Oh, that's I believe that's the Italian pronunciation. Yeah. And who has worked on a number of other properties including Brian K. Vaughn's Swamp Thing. Uh, yeah, there you go. All right. So that's uh that's who made this thing that is fine. Yeah, it does come with a with a bit of prestige which is I think maybe why Maybe that's one of the hindrances because you get someone like John Ridley who has an Oscar and you can market that name. But then also John Ridley is going to go like, well, you're not going to give me notes like I'm I'm doing this my way. And then you can market my name and then we can sell this thing. Whereas someone like um, N.K. Jameson, who wrote Far Sector, had never written a comic before. And I imagine that there was probably some they, she was probably working with a lot of different people. Right. Yeah. I mean, she comes with a little bit of prestige because she's like a Hugo Award winner, right. things like that. But like you said, it's not quite the name recognition off the t- off the cover of like a John Ridley. Right. Where people are like, oh, I'll pick this up because I want to see why. Why did this big time Hollywood screenwriter who won an Oscar for 12 years a slave Decide to go into comics and all things. <laughs> it's a huge step down. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it is one of those things of like, we got a big glorified, you know, very cultured, very intelligent name. And so we'll let him do whatever he wants to do, which is it is one of the things that drew me to the book. I mean, listen, the prose that he writes, he's a gifted writer as I far agree, as like yeah. weaving words together and, and, you know, the narrative within the book even though you're right, it, it reads like a biography. It is very verbose, but it's also, it does have a a melody to it. Yes. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, actually. Yeah. And you can feel, I will say you can, for me, the reading, you can feel the frustration 
of the character through the prose, you know, the frustration of the kind of injustice that they're that they're going up against or the 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 times when they're resigned, you know, like when Renee Montoya is just like, well, I'll just pretend to be I just had to pretend to be a different person, kind of the exhaustion of having to do that. He can weave that kind of feeling into it. But yeah, I understand what you're saying. It does feel like a biography. It's an autobiography rather than like a traditional comic storyline with a theme laid over top of it. 100%. Yeah. So what do you got? What do you got for me? For you, full disclosure, I haven't finished this yet, but I thought with the Hawkeye TV series coming out on Disney Plus, it might be a good time to give you an introduction to Kate Bishop. Yes. So uh, I would like... To, I've read the first volume. I'm told the second volume is a very good one for an introduction to her, but I haven't gotten to the second volume yet. I'm about to read it starting today. West Coast Avengers oh. by uh, Kelly Thompson. Okay, cool. I'm looking forward to that because if nothing else, not only do we get Kate Bishop, chances are down the line, these other characters are going to be introduced. 100%. So it's good to have a, have, a, have a knowledge of who they are when they finally do pop up. Yeah. All right. Well, we did that in pretty good time, too. If yeah, I do what say a show, so myself. man. That was, we, right? we do great things together. We really do. Let's make love. You want to high five the camera? I do. I just And you just see me just knock over a camera. <laughs> just busting everything. Uh, All right. So that's going to be it. Yeah. Next week, more news. I assume something will happen between now and then. Who knows what? Someone will shit on the floor in front of Kevin Feige Somebody or something. Somebody will send a dead rat to their co-star. Somebody <laughs> will... Who knows? Who knows what will happen? Twitter will leak some sort of photo and then take it down again. <laughs> Whose penis are we going to see this time? Oh, I can't wait. Let's all take bets. Oh, actually, before we go, hey, Andrew. Yeah. Hey, Andrew. Yeah. Hey, Andrew. Yeah. Where can they find us? Well, they can find us on Apple Podcasts. I like that you embraced that bit today. I like that you embraced it. I give what I get. So it's, you know. There you go. It's it's give and take our relationship. I like that. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. We're also on iHeartRadio. It's a weird thing to say. I know. We're also on Pandora. So if you've got some podcasts going in that restaurant you're working at, just put us on. We'll appreciate it. I'm glad you've embraced this joke. (laughs) I know. That's a joke from like five episodes ago. It's a good joke. I was hoping you'd forgotten it. We're also on SoundCloud.com slash The Media Lunch Break, where you can listen to us there. We're on Twitter. Go and follow us on Twitter. We're putting out funny things. Our handle there is at Media Lunch Break. You can follow us on Facebook. We've got a nice Facebook page. Mm-hmm. We're starting to roll out some cool stuff. We got a lot of engagement this last week. I got so much, I got a notification about it. What? I got a notification. About Facebook? Facebook sent me a notification and was like, hey, have you been hacked? Because people are actually like liking the stuff that you post. Wow. Just want to okay. make sure that that's you <laughs> and not someone with talent. And you're like, listen, if people are liking the stuff that we post, I don't care if it's me. They can have it. Go for it. <laughs> if you hacked our Facebook, have at it. Also, check out our Instagram. We've got an awesome reel that's been going up. It has my cats in it and oh, it's great. psychedelic 80s neon lights. Sure. So go check that out. We're also on YouTube. We're, we're at youtube.com slash the media lunch break. And last but not least, we're on TikTok, where our handle is at the media lunch break. You can also find us on patreon.com slash the media lunch break to give us some money. We appreciate that always. We got a new patron recently, and we appreciate all of you. Welcome aboard. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking that in our videos from now on, maybe not from now on because we just finished a video, but pretty soon we're going to start putting a list of all of our patrons as a special thank you at the end of our videos. Oh, I like that idea. So if you would like your name, uh, any patron. So like if you're pledging a dollar, 
you get in a video, even if it's only for one month. If we make a video in that month, you get in the just in the video. scrolling yeah. over our face. Yeah, we're like the end of an '80s sitcom. Where we should we do we freeze at the end and let the word scroll <laughs> and high five in midair? Right, right. I like the idea that to you we have enough patrons that it can scroll. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I assume you're just going to repeat the names over and over. Oh, yeah, that we could do. Or we could do like WandaVision did the title. It's just like, we just put their names in. Let's do that. What the fuck was... Oh, you can also send us an email. Uh, our email address is themedialunchbreak at gmail.com. You can visit our website, which is www.themedialunchbreak.com. We have an Amazon affiliate link down in the description, which will be for the other history of the DC Universe, if you're interested. In, I know I gave it a... Arousing critical acclaim. Well, you just said it wasn't for you. That's all. Yeah, I think it is Doesn't mean it's not for bad. other people. A lot of people really like it. I think if you're a better reader and you're looking for something to like read at night before you go to bed, I think mm-hmm. if you're not doing it, say, for a podcast, <laughs> if you just like have your own time and you can thumb through it sure. and not reading it on the train as you begrudgingly ride that hour long piece of shit into work, then I think you might enjoy it more. So we're going to put the first volume of that down in the description so check that out if you decide to buy something in there we get a small kickback it helps us out also give us a rating on review wait what give us a rating and a review (laughs) 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 itunes soundcloud youtube give us a thumbs up give us a subscription hit that bell you can also uh no you can't thank you to julie (laughs) thank you julie it's very hot in this room and i'm starting to lose my mind i'm becoming a bit like he who remains yeah uh yeah and that's it. We did it. All right. Then we did it. There we go. As always, if there's a reading assignment you want us to do, yeah. don't wait for us to assign something to each other. Tell us. I want to, you know, we're always open to reading assignments. If you're a creator out there, you got something you're creating, you want to do a little shout out on it, have us give a little constructive criticism. We're always happy to look at that. Those are always my favorite ones. And even just uh, whatever we're talking about. If there's a subject, we talked about Loki this week, but if there's something else you want us to talk about, or even just one of our, we haven't done a good like subject subject episode which i feel like it's it's coming around the corner i think we're we're coming up on something (laughs) but if there's a subject you want to float to us like hey talk about this anything like that reach us reach out to us twitter facebook yeah instagram you know email whatever you want to do we're very accessible we are you we are out there if you see us on the street you know just do that if you think it's us and you're not sure don't ask if it's us. Just launch into the conversation. And if we're like, who are you talking about? Assume that we're doing a bit and you should play along with that bit and continue this conversation for as long as possible. When we try and walk away from you with a strange look on our face, that's still part of the bit. Follow us. Okay. <laughs> um, that's about it. Yeah. Uh, all we right. Did it. There we go. We did it. We did a thing. There wasn't a thing. And now there's a thing out there. That's how easy it is to go create a thing. And you should go out now and create a thing too. Yeah. Like I said, next week, more news. News. The Tuesday Newsday. Newsday Tuesday. Tuesday Newsday. Tuesday Newsday. That's a work in progress. Um, I'll get better. Oh, at is that it. the I, song you were talking about? No, nah, it wasn't. But it was. I was hoping if I launched into it, it would it would come back to me, and it didn't. But it, there was that kind of clapping involved. So I'm I'm circling around it. This is a lot like you know the song, the greatest song in the world. By or I think it's called Tribute by yes. Tenacious D. Yeah, that song that they sing, they mentioned this is not the greatest song in the world because we couldn't yes, remember it. Yes. That's what this is going to be like. I feel like it is. Yeah, I think we need more themes. It's really what I'm saying. We don't have a. I feel like we need a reading assignment theme. Maybe a Tuesday Newsday theme. 
Reading assignment. Oh my God, you nailed it in one. With sparkles. Yes. Coming over. I love it.